guys and welcome to Pros Before Hoes, the podcast where we talk about what we're thinking, drinking and reading. Do you know who I think has had the best transformation of 2020? The nation of Australia. Because I feel like they started 2020 literally on, on fire. fire. And that we thought that was going to be the worst it was going to get, right? And then the pandemic happened. And they're now like COVID free. The rest of the world is figuratively on fire. And they just get to hang out with New Zealand come early next year. I didn't I th- know that news about Australia. That's happy for them. Yeah, I think they're, they're doing great. All of the... All the Australians are like, yeah, sure, all of our koalas might have syphilis, but uh, none of them have COVID. <laughs> you just did that whole segment just to do your Australian accent because it's the one you can actually do. Worth it. How are you this week? I'm okay. How are we coping? What is it now? Lockdown 4070? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. It was inevitable. The thing that pisses me off is just the like, oh, everything is not fine, but like, oh, we'll do this. And then everyone does it. And it's like, oh, fuck, we fucked up. No one do anything. From the get-go. Just be like, it's not going to be the festive season you want. But that's what happens when you have a year like this. But this will be the festive special that you want. (laughs) Hey! Hey. (laughs) So excited for a Christmas break. Just nothing being required of me other than having a drink reading a book oh yes Ooh. <laughs> going on a walk <laughs> much like what we've been doing this entire year but without having to do work as well work as well yeah from the hours of five thirty on the 18th of december to nine thirty a.m on the 4th of january 2021 publishing is dead to me <laughs> don't email me what what are we drinking this week al we're drinking wine that is mulled mulled wine it had to be done. Oh my gosh, it looks kind of glittery. Can you see that? Oh my god, is that... Wait, look closer. Is that the festive spirit? <laughs> Evaporating. <laughs> Evaporating from our, our cheap mulled wine. Um, we are, we're drinking mulled wine with my favourite red. The Jammy Red Rue by Yellowtail. Yes. Um, which you can pick up, I think, in your local Sainsbury's. Yeah. This is not sponsored by Yellowtail, but I... Or Sainsbury's. Or Sainsbury's. Um, although, <laughs> hit me up, because uh, I'm willing to take free wine or groceries at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, this is my favourite red, and I didn't used to drink red wine. Red, red, red wine. Red, red wine. <laughs> I didn't, and then we got, we got COVID, and I think actually having coronavirus at the beginning of I March... switched things up a bit. I think it's me. changed my taste buds because I also, I kind of can eat mushrooms now and I used to gag at the thought of mushrooms. Oh, yeah, you can eat mushrooms. <laughs> okay, Elle made that sound dirty. It really wasn't. No, it was more, my tone is more... You explain. So we, the publisher I work at, we publish Ottolenghi's books and we all, very lovely, got sent uh, his new book, Flavour, which is great. And I made Elle cook the, like, four-hour mushroom lasagna spicy mushroom lasagna spicy and i'm not good with spice and we weren't sure that i liked mushrooms but guess what guys it wasn't that spicy and it turns out you girl likes mushrooms (laughs) so thank you coronavirus because you made me grow up i'm a fully formed adult now give me a mushroom tart i'll eat that shit (laughs) the texture was your main obstacle yeah i'm still not a huge fan of the texture but you made like a mince out of it so it was good so yeah no that that flavor i make a really good mushroom pate which I actually think you would like. We'll give it a whirl. What's your What's your favourite festive drink? Uh, it's like asking to choose between your children. Okay, well, it's not really like a festive drink per se, but <laughs> for as not for as long as I can remember as though like I was two years old, but I have a distinct memory in my head of this really nice oh this is gonna sound so tragic and also so middle class but at Sainsbury's taste Sainsbury's again Sainsbury's taste the difference Clementine Bucks Fizz and I don't agree with pre-made Bucks Fizz okay sorry what is Bucks Fizz mimosa okay this I don't even know if they still do it anymore but I was gonna say taste the difference does taste the difference exist still mm-hmm yeah, they didn't yeah. switch to something else. I don't know. No, they didn't. It's a um, different style of thing. Yeah, Clementine Bucks Fizz. And it's just so good. And every year now, my folks like will try and... Not as in, like, it's their mission, but it will, like, appear. And I'll be like, oh. Oh. <laughs> what is that doing here? So whilst my not being oh a terribly festive drink, but then we always have it with, like, breakfast in the yeah. morning yeah. on Christmas. So it makes me think of Christmas. That sounds nice. 
but other than that just all all drinks that I already like but being able to drink them more frequently yeah in the name of Christmas mine is definitely my we're drinking mulled wine now but we're not drinking Danish mulled wine Danish mulled wine or as we call it in Denmark Gluck is um is lethal it's absolutely lethal but it's fantastic it's delicious I will post the recipe for my grandfather's Danish mulled wine which I've still never had. Which you've not tried yet. I do need to make it for you. Um, essentially, it's mulled wine with a bottle of vodka and half a bottle of port. <laughs> and you mix, you know, your mulled wine spices. There's some, a few different things in there. Such for as? For a week. A no. few different things. Tell us the few different things. People, you've got to go onto the Instagram to look at the... You've got to, oh, I know. Um, she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. If you want the recipe, you've got to go to her Instagram. But yeah, it's it's got a lot of the normal stuff in it, but we also put prunes and raisins in for soaking. So um, it's healthy as well. Yeah, it's got fruit in it. It's, it's actually one of your five a day. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sipping that at my parents' Christmas parties growing up. Uh, having one sip and then being absolutely wasted because, as I said, <laughs> it's a lot of alcohol, but it's very good um, and it's a good thing to whip out. Very glug. And that's why you tune in. <laughs> seamless. Absolutely <laughs> seamless. Anyway, so that's my favourite Christmas drink that, um, <laughs> that evokes strong childhood memories. Yeah, um, Elle's just realised I didn't necessarily sieve out the mulled wine that we're drinking now particularly effectively. She she took over and, and to be fair, I think that is the only thing in there. So. I don't think it is. okay what's the only thing i can see so um what have you other than the general festive spirit what have you been enjoying this week let's not beat around the bush i've been revisiting the back catalogue of jamie t all through his albums Mm. and really been enjoying that don't really do angus i mean you fuck me off like you'll fucking know about it but i don't really do anger in a calm and polite way in like a damningly polite way i'm not angry i'm disappointed disappointed oh no but this is the thing like i was felt angry so i was like i'm not particularly anything i don't think maybe some deep-rooted issues that i've not engaged with or perhaps just planet earth right now (laughs) so i spent a full week listening to the back catalogue of jamie t which provides an outlet for every emotion Mm. so that's been very cathartic for me and then the other side I've been listening to a lot of Richard Hawley and one of his albums it's not a Christmas album by any means and I listen to it all throughout the year but it's got that sort of twinkly nice wintry feeling to it in my opinion and one Christmas I drove my sister around the bend because I just played Ladies Bridge which is the name of the album on repeat because I think it's a great Christmas album but you don't get annoyed with it because it's not like Christmas mm, or, your... I, or I thought but I did piss my sister off today but that's what siblings are for what's your favourite Christmas song? oh I have so many times I don't do favourites but okay what what's a Christmas song that you really like what, what, what's the what's your 2020 go to Christmas song? mine is Merry Christmas Let's Jump Off a Bridge <laughs> is that an actual song? no oh. <laughs> But, like, it could be. But now I've said it, I might whip out my ukulele. I think we've got a number one hit right there. I think we're all in the same mood. (laughs) I really like... Well, I like Christmas songs that you're always like, they're so depressing. They're not. They're just reflective and melancholy. So I like a multitude of different versions of In the Bleak Midwinter. I mean, you... It's an absolute banger. It has the word bleak in the title. Yes, but bleak doesn't just mean like, uh-huh. bleak means it's like a, a quality of like the air, like the season. It's like bleak because it's so cold and like barren. But then the contrast is the love of Christmas and family. Okay. Hey? I mean, I'd say that one of my favourite Christmas songs is River by Joni Mitchell. Which well, is exactly. Not- yeah. Christmas is a very much a time to be melancholy. We, it's a time for reflection. Exactly. It's a time for reflection. I've also been listening to music this week. I don't often come with music re- recommendations, but uh, I've been doing it. Had my AirPods in, tuning into the waves. Are your AirPods still on the chopping board? They are. Please don't cut them. Yeah, because I saw them. I was like, I need to move them. And then got distracted. Um, the joy of living with me is that I do just leave things everywhere. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> um, I've been listening to Big Thief. Ah, yes. Who I really like. Um I think Masterpiece or Shark Smile are probably my favourite songs of theirs. But yeah, I've been listening to that and I've been watching a TV show on Amazon Prime called Harlots, which is about a bunch of 17th century whores. <laughs> yes. 
Um, <laughs> and in the same way that after I watched The Queen's Gambit, which is brilliant, I thought maybe I'll take up being a world chess champion just as a little treat for me for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe I'll take up being a 17th century prostitute. Yes. Because I'll tell you what, looks like they're having fun. Badass. Yeah. Side hustle. We're all about side hustles nowadays, <laughs> aren't we? I'm not going to lie. A side hustle of a of an era that we don't belong in, in the current climate, being a whore, might be difficult. But I will always support you to achieve all of your dreams. And that's why she's one of my best friends. Or an enabler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Harlots on Amazon Prime is really, really good. It's got Liv Tyler in it. She's... And who else is in it? If, is... Oh, there is there the one of the women, the woman who's going to play Princess Margaret in the next Crown is in it, and I can't remember what her name is. I spelled it wrong. It's Harlots, but Harlots. Find out. So yeah, it's also got Leslie Manville in it. Oh wait, so who's playing? Oh, Amelda Staunton's playing the Queen. Yeah, Amelda Staunton's Leslie- playing the Queen right. in in the Crown, not in Harlots. <laughs> I feel like we've these are two very different shows. Although who knows what goes on behind the doors of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> It's got Jessica Brown Finley in it. Okay. That's who I had in my head. Yes. Okay, cool. I wish I looked like her. So Harlots is very good and I very much recommend it. Um, We also, we discussed this last week, but I think we actually went away and did it, didn't we, for once? Our love languages. Oh, God. Yes. And I, what a surprise. Had some problems with it. Hated the whole experience. So officially, quality time and acts of service. That's really good for you that you live with me then, because I'm here all the time. <laughs> you must love me. <laughs> mine was similar, actually. Mine was quality time, physical touch, and words of affirmation were, like, tied. So, essentially, I am just incredibly needy, <laughs> is what I took from that. Like, I need to be held while being complimented while you're right there. And then I'll be like, maybe they like me. But I disagree with the premise, what a surprise. Write a book on it. But I just think that there should at least be two quizzes for one for the love you give and one for the love you want. Like, if we're being this reductive, can we at least... Yeah, but I think that the goal of the quiz is to figure out the love you you want, not the love you give. Because you know the love you give. But then people say, what's your love language? And that's the... Your language is what you talk. So that is what you're giving. (laughs) <laughs> but, but, they're, but they're not necessarily the same thing is what i'm saying because you i would say your love language you're giving love language maybe we need to write the sequel to this book your giving love language is definitely gifts acts of service acts of service with a little with bit a, of, with a crossover into a gifts. sprinkle of gifts and mine is physical touch and quality time <laughs> like i'll be there <laughs> and sometimes gifts i think rather than acts of service i don't know what's the one that i want then what's that i want to receive you want quality time yeah i do want quality time and like touch like when i want that yeah that's true if i don't like you and you touch me i will like elbow but then if it's like love language then yeah but even if i love you i'm a cat l is a cat l is a cat spoiler and careful you've been listening to this podcast and you didn't know this whole time i'm a cat she's a talking cat (laughs) have you done all your christmas shopping oh my god no (sighs) and i'm just like ordering things and i don't think they're gonna arrive and i'm not even ordering them to here i'm ordering them to home to give them more time but i just feel like i have so little grasp on the whole thing and usually i'm so good if it's any consolation time is not real (laughs) (sighs) time is real when it's christmas day and no one's got anything to open but you can argue with them because I think this will make them feel better when they don't have a gift. No, but they won't mind. It will be me that minds. Oh, okay. And you know that. Yeah, They'll be like, oh, it's fine. It'll turn up when it turns up. And I'll be there like, hmm, Christmas is cancelled. <laughs> but we're getting on to my dislike. So let's, let's nip that in the bud. Oh, yeah. Okay. You be presumptuous. You basically just want to flex because you've done all yours for so long. Yeah, that's true. I did have mine done basically by the first week of December. But that's only because I am a superior human being. <laughs> I actually got the second part of your gift today, so... I got the second part of your gift two days ago. Suck it. But I ordered the first part of your gift... The first part of your gift before you... But I knew what I was going to get you before before me. So basically, we've just been, like, back and forth. We've been back and forth. And I'll tell you what, it's not a competition, but um, I think I win. Now for judging a book by its cover. 
So in this segment, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a book one of us hasn't read, which I know sounds slightly contradictory to the entire point of this podcast. But I promise we will be talking about things we have read afterwards. Um, in this section, one of us will have read a book, the other person won't have. The person who hasn't read the book has to guess the plot of the book on its cover alone. So this week, Elle has given me a book called uh, The Fox and the Star by Coralie Bickford-Smith. Um, this is pretty. Oh my gosh, this is one of my prized possessions. So. This is so pretty. Um, Don't read the back. Oh, you'll get... <laughs> well, I've... anyway, the this book, it has a little fox. Uh, ooh, I mean, it, it, I'm assuming it's a fox because of the title of the book. It does have a raccoon's tail. Let's not get into that. No, Ella's but look that's at me. just like the bushiness of the tail. Okay. Not the colour. It's stripy. Um, anyway, let, we'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt because it's called The Fox and the Star that it's probably not a raccoon. But we do she, love our... We she do. takes one of my favourite books and she just... Hey, <sighs> there ain't nothing wrong with the trash panda. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's all... It's like dark blue with like white um, ink on it. It's very pretty. It's like got a fabric cover. We love we love a cloth cover. It's so beautiful. And it's got so this little fox down at the bottom and then like weaving ivy all over the cover. Brambles and brambles and there's some berries. There's a star. Uh there's a little, there's a few little beetles. There's a spider's web. It's very very pretty. I really like this cover. I mean, this reminds me of um the boy the mole, the fox and the horse. This is kind of like children/gifty. Kind of book isn't it it's like a nice mm-hmm. story um i can imagine and i get the impression that this little fox guy he goes on a silly little adventure <laughs> goes on a silly he's feeling a bit lost he goes on a silly little adventure and he befriends a spider this is okay this might just be charlotte's web but with a fox instead of a pig that's all i'm saying <laughs> he goes on a little adventure he sees the star maybe the star talks to him or maybe he hears the star maybe he's hearing voices I don't know what goes on inside a fox's brain. That's my conclusion. He goes on an adventure and he finds peace. Okay. Well, I mean, that is very broad. So I'm going to say, yes, you got it right. This is one of my favourite, not any of my favourite books, one of my favourite things in my whole life. In my whole damn life. My father got it for me for Christmas. Probably like five years ago. Maybe six years ago. I love foxes. And I love the stars. Elle does love foxes. I only noticed the other day when I was in her room that she's got a lot of fox paraphernalia. But it's because, you know, when you say that you like something and then people just buy you stuff with it on. I mean, I think we've all witnessed what's happened with dinosaurs in the last month. <laughs> Every year, my mum very lovingly gives me an advent calendar, um, which is 24 small gifts throughout the month of December, which is a Danish thing that we do. I do one for her as well. Um, and half of the gifts I've received have been dinosaurs because... Really? Half of them? Quite a few of them. There's oh. a solid number of dinosaur-themed gifts. And you know what? I love it, and I'm here for it. But other people are starting to think I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, people just like to buy me fox things. And nine times out of ten, I'm very happy with it. Make sure it's nice. And then, oh, it's got a fox on it. Reminds me, did you ever watch Portlandia? No. Oh, my God. I loved Portlandia. I used to watch loads of it at uni. And there's this one sketch where it's like, put a bird on it. That's a very niche reference, but you know, some people out there might have watched Portlandia. They may well have done. And put a bird on it is very funny. So you just have to take my word for that. I'm laughing on the inside. Don't <laughs> you worry. Okay, so maybe the best thing about this whole book is the illustrations. It's like truly beautiful to flick through. And actually, I read it as soon as I got it because it's like obviously not long and it's illustrations than anything else. Yeah. And it made me cry. Because it's just so, so beautiful. Basically, there's this little fox who's all alone and its only friend is this star in the sky. One day, the star doesn't appear. And so at first, fox stays in its warren and isn't eating anything and is, like, really sad. And <laughs> But then decides to go out and find star. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm not going to give away the ending because despite it being, like, essentially, in inverted commas, a picture book, the ending is, like, hits. So it goes on a little, not really an adventure, but goes through... Walk. Yeah, a stroll. A stroll. Through the forest to and talks to, like, the rain and the trees mm. and yeah. different animals to try and find the stars. And it is just truly a lovely 
thing to have in your life. It's very pretty. It reminds me of the... Yeah, it really does remind me of The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse, which, given how many copies that book has sold, you've probably all read it. But if not... Do you know what? My dad got that for me, Born Christmas, and I still haven't read it. It's really lovely. If you like this, you should definitely read it. I'm waiting for all the hype. The hype is... I'll tell you what, the hype is not dying down I know, that's why I still haven't read it. It's um, it's a lovely book. These two books sound like they would make really nice gifts if you're looking for a little gift book. 100%. Because also the whole thing works as like an allegory for so many different things. Like confidence, widening your perspective. Yeah. Not being scared, like love. It's just, ugh, honestly. But not in like a ugh way. Because I freaking can't stand that. But it's just a really lovely thing. That actually ties... The idea of widening perspectives ties very nicely into a book that I just finished. Uh, Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers. Um, It's really lovely. It's got a lovely cover as well. It's kind of blue with with illustrated oranges all over it. I don't have it with me because I lent it to my mother. Because I think she would enjoy it. (laughs) But essentially, this book is all about this journalist. It's set in the 1950s in a small village about 40 minutes on the train from London. Um, it's set in near Kent, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's about this small town journalist who lives a very simple life. You know, she looks. She spends a lot of time looking after her mother, who is very old. She goes to work, writes articles on kind of little around-the-house handy tip articles, goes back and looks after her mother, bakes cake, uh, you know, a cake on the weekend, enjoys the cake, enjoys the little time when her mother isn't in the house and she has the house to herself. Lives a very simple but quite quiet life. She seems quite content. And then all of a sudden she gets a letter from this woman who claims to have had a virgin birth. And the Why whole... Why does she get the letter? Because the woman is like, please, can you write a story about me to prove that this happened? Okay. So the journalist gets involved with this um, this woman, Gretchen, and her family, Gretchen's family. She says she has a daughter who she claims was born through a virgin birth and she has a husband called Howard. Um, and it's, it is, it's a really lovely book. It's, it would be, I think, a really good book to read over the holidays, actually. It's yes, very topical. Just a really lovely virgin story. Virgin birth. Virgin birth. <laughs> Did you not do that deliberately? No, I didn't. I didn't. Strong atheist here, not making those links. <laughs> but yeah, I think it... it it's such a wonderful, wonderful exploration of the, like the quiet side of desire, and it re- it tugs at you in a really nice way, but it has it has sad elements as well. It is it's like a kind of happy and a sad book very much, but yeah, it's like these small habits that kind of make up our life and the and the small joys that we get, versus these big ambitious like life changing passions that we have and they how they kind of tug at each other, and is, kind of pull at each is other. Is the vibe? normal life Mm. or is the vibe like normal life but the world's a bit very normal life okay it's actually based around a real event and i can't tell you what the event is because it gives away the end of the book oh my gosh what a tease i know um but it's a really it's really lovely it's just a really tender um and i i love that balance of like this quiet kind of quiet habits that give us kind of joy and comfort versus the things that pull us out of our comfort zone but have the potential to give us an immense amount of joy Hmm. Yeah. That sounds interesting. What's it called again? Small Pleasures. I will lend it to you after my mother's done with it. Yes, please do. I think you'd like it. It took me, to be fair, it, there's been quite a bit of hype around it. In a quiet way. It, which matches the book very nicely. Shh. You should definitely read this book. It's really good. <laughs> so I was, it, I got a bit stuck at the beginning of it and it took me a few attempts to actually get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just wasn't instantly gr- hooked and everybody had said they loved it so much and I was like, why am I not loving this book? Mm-hmm. But then I finally forced myself to just be like, just go into it. Don't think about what, what everyone else has said about it and just like pay attention to the story. And then I really, really got into it and ended up finishing it, I think, in like two mornings. Because we both know that I fall asleep at like nine o'clock, so I have to wake up <laughs> early to read. <laughs> what have you What have you read recently that you've enjoyed? In the same vein as sort of like a quiet kind of book, hmm. um, A Start in Life by Anita Bruckner, who is the same lady that did Hotel de Lac. Okay. I nearly was, if it hadn't been a Christmas special, I was going to give you this to do, judging a book by its cover, but because The Fox and the Star felt a little more wintry and festive. I'm not going to read you the blurb because I don't think the blurb conveys the vibe of the story. Okay. Um, Editors, Elle thinks she can do a better job than you. No, 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 that's not what I said. Because I think writing a blurb is a very particular skill. I just don't think this blurb has grasped. But maybe that's the point. Because then I read it expecting something very different to what I'm 
got, but I was very happy with what I got. In the editor's defence, writing blurbs is really hard. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. And also, you're not just trying to encapsulate the book, you're trying to make it appeal to a wider audience. Exactly. And I think actually lots of people will read this book who wouldn't have because of the blurb. Okay, so what is... Give, give, us, a, give us the gist. Break it down for us, honey. Essentially... <clears throat> sorry, my voice is breaking. You're so delicate. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> that, not a funny joke this year no not a funny joke don't this year. do that i do that i used to do that all the time yeah so it follows this lady called ruth from when she's a young woman mainly focuses around her time at university and when she goes to live in paris for a bit mm-hmm. um but then does hark on um we be harking <laughs> we be harking we be harking hark the herald angels sing oh. another christmas reference oh my god <laughs> But essentially, yeah, it's about her family life and then also her sort of branching out with her life in Paris. And the character writing of Bruckner is fantastic and her turn of phrase is really, really beautiful. It's slow. It's not exciting. Yeah. But when you finish it, you're happy that you stuck with it. And it's not exactly long, so it's not like a massive commitment by any means. She's very. It's she's an academic, and she's always been very good at French. That's why she goes to Paris and whatever. Yeah, but she's quite naive. Maybe seen as harsh in some ways, but also kind in others. But just yeah, doesn't especially when it comes to men. It's just all a bit like, oh, honey. Yeah. And then she's got a friend who is sort of like the antithesis of that. But watching her sort of like develop and evolve and gain. Her family dynamic is difficult in its own way and very specific, as all families are. And then seeing her interact and have her form her own relationships and the difficulties around that and the complexities and the sort of moral ideas. Like, she's very quiet. She doesn't seem like, whoa, but then arguably some people might find things she does and just treats it very cavalierly as like... (gasps) So it's just really... I like the way... Sounds like good... Good character development. Oh, yeah, really yeah. good. Maybe not not even necessarily development, just writing. Yeah. Just writing of the characters and you picking up the pieces and deciding what... Because I feel like everybody would read every character in this differently. That's a real talent, I think, when an author is able to write a character that people feel differently about. Mm. Because I think it's so much more reflective of real life. So often you read books and you, you get the impression very strongly for how you're meant to feel about a character sometimes and I think it's a mark of better writing when people disagree on whether or not they like a character or whether they think their actions are acceptable because that is what real life is just one bit I really liked yeah and then I'll talk about another phrase that recurs and Mm -hmm. why I think that's interesting how it harks (laughs) to the wider to the wider book now for god's sake Ruth don't make a mess of this don't give in too easily string him along keep him guessing Break the odd appointment. How do you think I got Brian after all these years? Ruth looked sadly at her friend. Is it all a game then? She asked. Anthea looked sadly back. Only if you win, was her reply. If you lose, it's far more serious. It's just good, good turns of phrase. It's not engages with life, but isn't sentimental or neat. Yeah, I like the sound of it. There's a phrase that lots of the characters say, which is never say die. Which is the name of a James Bond film? No, that's not a day to... Or today is not the day. Something about James Bond is like, I ain't dying today. But it's phrased much more eloquently. Never Never, mind. Never Say Die is a Black Sabbath album, but that's not something I imagine that you've ever listened to. Wow. Wow. You are correct. (laughs) But I find that phrase interesting because it it means to, like, not lose hope, essentially. And whilst the book is quite stagnant in a lot of ways, it also points to the sort of relentlessness of time and how things carry on. Yeah. But I think it would be a really good stocking filler because it's not a huge commitment. It's easy to read. Yeah. But not easy to read in the same way that, say, The Flat Share is easy to read. Proper writing and literature. Yeah. But... Uh, Chicklet is literature. Yeah. I love The Flat Show. We're going to get onto that later, but this is just a very good book. A Start in Life by Anita Bruckner. So we thought it would be nice to do a little bit of a year in review of books. 
um, talk about books we've enjoyed this year, um, what books we're hoping will be under the tree for us this year that we can dig into. What's, do you want to talk about some of your favourite books this year? Okay, so I'm not saying it's necessarily my favourite, but the one that I think maybe had the biggest impact was, and there are multiple factors to this, Mm -hmm. was Normal People by Sally Rooney. Yeah. It was the midst of lockdown. Yeah, I feel like I probably should have warned you away from reading that book in the middle of lockdown. Yeah, considering you knew what happened in it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, also, you were like, you need to read it because the TV adaptation is coming out. So as soon as you finish it, we'll watch that. That fucked me up because it was like a week yeah. of just normal people. I wasn't feeling very normal after that. Yeah, it's uh, it's intense. Sally Rooney's writing is intense. It was just far too relatable, like hard relate. Also with other things going on in my life at the time, just not the time nor the place, <laughs> but I really, really love that book. Yeah. I love the way she writes and I love the way she handles relationships because it feels real to me. Yeah, no, she writes relationships very well. Have you read Conversations with Friends? No, I've, I'm now giving her a bit of a wide berth. <laughs> I think, I, d- I don't think you'll be hit so personally by conversations <laughs> with friends, but it's also Ooh. very good. Um, perhaps don't read Mr. Salary, which is her small favour You gave that to me. Yeah, don't read that. I've read it. I read it immediately after normal people. Why would you do that? Because you gave it to me. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> And I'm paying for it still. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I really love that as well. Yeah, that was that's also really good. That's a great stocking filler because that one is yeah. tiny. Teeny um, tiny. Teeny tiny. But yeah, I just, I top notch. Love the way she writes. Love the way she handles particularly romantic relationships. I just think she does them justice. Yeah. Does them justice. And I rarely say that in fiction. I get mm. quite frustrated about just love specifically romantic love but i think she handles it very well because she doesn't reduce it love is just a very much multifaceted not straight cut thing yeah and i appreciate her for that yeah no she definitely does write as a complex uh, love as as a very complex thing as opposed to the means to an end Mm. it's part of the journey Mm. in a way um, I feel like a lot of writers, they want they slap love at the end of a story and they go, there, they fell in love. Ugh. And I think she really takes it. you, she kind of drags you through the mud with it, doesn't she? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But without falling into a, like romanticism of, like over romanticism or bitterness. Yeah. I'm just very impressed with the way she writes relationships. Hats, hats off to Sally. As I mentioned earlier... Um, the flat share. I bloody loved that book, apart from the ending, which I thought was shite. But in general, as a genre of book that I just do not go anywhere near, cracking, cracking book. And it's just such a nice read. It's, it's big. Yeah, it's it's big, but it's it's an easy read. You get through it quickly. It's, it's by Beth O'Reilly. And I'm waiting for it to be turned into a Richard Curtis film. Yeah, have a strong Richard Curtis vibes. Like, yeah. And I just have nice memories of reading it out the back in the sun. But not Richard Curtis making the film yesterday. Richard Curtis making good films. What's yesterday? I'm not... We're not even going to get into what... Yet. Have you not heard of that film where the entire plot is that the main guy is the only person in the world who remembers the Beatles, so he steals all their music? Uh, is that Richard Curtis? Yeah. I don't really like the Beatles, do I? So probably just... I mean... Gave that a wide berth in genre role. Me too. Me too. But hey, Richard, we love your other work. <laughs> love <laughs> he, what you've done with the place. He would do that. a really good version of the flat share. Yeah. And maybe he could make the ending less tidy. But yeah, That's good. You you've, really, you've really hit both ends of the literary <laughs> spectrum with those favourites. <laughs> We've well, got intense literary fiction and then intense chick. I thought it was... in. But I don't think the flat show is intense chiclet because my mum absolutely like wouldn't go anywhere near that kind of stuff. And I feel like the flat show is way more palatable to people. I think chic- who... chiclet is a it gets a bad name. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's like beach reads. But the flat show, I feel like, is a nice bridge from that kind of vibe yeah. to pe- like other books. Yeah, yeah. In a in what is once again an incredible pivot away from the genre of um of the flat share, my well honorable mention to Rodham and the Vanishing Half, which we've spoken about in episodes before, 
So if you want to hear about those, you got to go listen to the episodes. <laughs> but they're very good. And what I what I really liked about both of those books was that they introduced me to new writers who already have other books. So I don't have to sit there and wait for their next book. Can just get started on their backlist. Um, so that was Britt Bennett and Curtis Sittenfeld. Um, and in fact, I immediately after reading Rodham read Curtis Sittenfeld's most recent short story collection called Help Yourself. Another good stocking filler because it's very small and the first short story in it is called White Women, lol, uh, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> um, but my favourite book of the year uh, is probably Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood. Ah, I remember you talking about this. Which is an absolutely brilliant book. It's so funny. It's a me- it's actually a memoir. Um, so Patricia, well, she's a poet. I like that you said, it's actually a memoir, as though that's not your favourite. It almost doesn't read like a memoir in a weird way and her story is so unique mm-hmm. like she really has something to write about here mm-hmm. um so essentially patricia she's a poet now and she escapes home to run away with her husband who she meets on a poetry forum online she grew up in kansas with her <laughs> with her father who is the priest daddy he's a <laughs> he's a catholic priest who's married and has children which is already not allowed but he is. He's been given an f- official pardon by the Pope. Lives in, yeah, lives in That's the Midwest. That's a big deal. Yeah, lives in the Midwest in Kansas. Um, I'll read you the back of it. Her father is a gun-toting, guitar-riffing Catholic priest. Her mother <laughs> sensed danger everywhere. This is Patricia Lockwood's raucous true story of identity, belonging, fancy chalices, and a profoundly strange return to the family home. So essentially, Patricia escapes her incredibly religious family. Uh, to run away with her husband, Jason, who she meets on an online poetry forum. Um, they then move to the Deep South. She starts writing poetry, uh, starts her career as a writer. Jason gets a rare eye disease and starts to go blind. They find themselves crippled by both medical and financial horrible turns of events, and they have to move back in to the rectory this does sound at her cracking. parents' home. Um, yeah, and it's just... It is... So it is a laugh out loud book. Like there aren't a lot of books that actually make me laugh out loud, but this one properly makes me laugh out loud. When they've moved back, uh, there's a a seminarian who is essentially a priest in training who lives with them. And I just want to read a small paragraph. It's this funny constantly and throughout. Um, But yeah, Patricia's having a conversation with the seminarian. Somehow or other, the seminarian has heard about MILFs and he is haunted by the concept. He fears hordes of MILFs are roaming the plains of dating, simultaneously breastfeeding and trying to trick young men into having sex with them. Are MILFs something that's popular in secular culture for guys in their 20s to go after? He asks. Yes, I say, gravely, signalling Jason across the room to write that quote down word for word. Very, very popular. The most popular thing now. (laughs) Like, she has such an incredible way of looking at the world. Um, And it's set... I mean, it's actually set where my family are from in America, in Kansas, which is very much a religious part of the the country. Um, And actually, funnily enough, my grandfather was a Methodist priest. Um, But not a gun-toting, guitar-riffing one. Much quieter. Um, but yeah, so she, she moves back home and it's all about her kind of coming up against her past. She's in this really difficult financial situation. Her husband's obviously going through something incredibly difficult and her parents are, by all definitions, completely ridiculous. <laughs> like, utterly ridiculous. Her father is insane. There's one... Um, and I mean insane not in in terms of mentally ill, but in terms of he's just brilliant (laughs) like it's inconceivable that somebody could come up with you just could make so much content about him (laughs) as she does she writes a whole book on it um but yeah no it's it's just like hilarious encounters and kind of her coming up against her own past and it really struck a chord with me because there is obviously a lot of conversation about how people with differing political and religious views come up against each other and there's this ob- obvious added complexity of it being her family and her parents, who she does love dearly, but who have completely different beliefs to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that she handles it and discusses it and conveys it and kind of unpicks the complexities in a really funny way and kind of reminds you that even if somebody is a gun-riffing guitar toting <laughs> um, priest you know, at at the heart of it, she really respects her father because he works incredibly hard and he does really care about what he does. My favourite fact is that her father was converted um, because he watched The Exorcist. (laughs) He was the staunch atheist until he watched The Exorcist and then he became a Catholic priest. Things like that do happen. And also, 
I feel like humour is just always the best way a lot of the time to especially with families mm, yeah. deal with those kind of things yeah because it's like if you don't laugh you will be crying yeah it's this kind of brilliant silliness that she conveys and like just the absolute obscenity and obscurity mm-hmm. of life i just love the way that she looks at things and the way that she writes is so sharp mm-hmm and she's so daring. And I mean, you really fall for her as a person. And that she also touches on, I mean, I suppose trigger warning, there's discussions of suicide in the book as well. And she's not had a particularly stable kind of journey with her own mental health. By the time she returns back to her parents, she's in a very different place. But as a teenager, when she kind of looks back at that time, it's definitely very difficult and, and her family didn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really that kind of whole like mental health narrative is not necessarily something that fitted in with super religious Republican narratives, you know, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is just, it's really interesting. It's really funny. It's just definitely my favourite book of the year. Can we talk about the cover? The cover is brilliant. Yeah, I really love it's, the cover. Um, it makes absolutely no sense, but somehow when you read the book, you realise <laughs> it it's perfect completely sense. perfect. It's a green cat with birds flying out of its kind of mane and the cat is wearing a sweater vest. And a pink shirt with birds on it. Yeah, I just thought that needed to be um, referenced. It's so brilliant, yeah. So this is Pre-Study by Patricia Lockwood. Um, my favourite book of 2020. And you know what? I think we all need a laugh right now. For sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. What books do you want Santa to bring down your chimney this year? Oh, oh that sounds... Oh, why? Oh, yeah. I got like halfway through yeah. it and then I was like, I need to finish the sentence for it to make sense. But I do want to tear my own tongue out. What books would I like to be unwrapping under the tree this Christmas? Santa Baby. (laughs) I'm just going to move on. (laughs) The Problem with Men by Richard Herring, Mm -hmm. which I've just heard lots about it. You know what? I'll just read you the blurb because I can't tell you anymore because... Not read it. I've not read it. So... For the past decade, Richard Herring has been answering sexist trolls on International Women's Day when they ask, when is International Men's Day? In the mistaken belief, there isn't one. Mm -hmm. If only the trolls had learned to use Google, they would realise that there is International Men's Day. It's on November 19th. In The Problem with Men, Richard expands on his Twitter discussions and tackles some of the big questions surrounding the problems of toxic masculinity for women, but also for men, including should men fear feminism? Is society sexist against men? Could you win a point against Serena Williams? Spoiler, the answer to all of these is no. With Richard's signature humour and insight, The Problem of Men is a book for anyone striving for an equal society all year round. That sounds great. It sounds like a great read, doesn't it? Sounds right on my my street? Alleyway? Street. Street. Definitely up your street. Definitely up my street. (laughs) Jesus. That is The Problem with Men. Um, so yeah, I will, if I don't get it for Christmas, we'll be buying it for myself and then reading it and it will be appearing on a future episode. Mm. Then there's one, Love and Other Thought Experiments by Sophie Ward, which I think was long listed for the book. Yeah, I've heard of that one, yeah. Um, and it's fiction, but with strong philosophical threads running through. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things about that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be really, really good. Um, but yeah, so I think that the premise is that one night, one of the characters wakes up terrified and tells the other that an ant has crawled into her eye and is stuck in there. And then it's all about certainty and the dynamic of their relationship and the different angles they're coming from. So yeah, I just really, really like the sound of that. And then our main man, Carlo Rovelli, has his new book. Oh, he um, does, doesn't he? There are places in the world where rules are less important than kindness, which I just Injected want to read. into my veins. Yeah, it, we just love him, don't we? I just know that that will be charming and intelligent, reaching into lots of different aspects of society and culture and science and just tying it all together really well. Sounds great. I'm hoping... There are actually two books that I have briefly mentioned as um, up-and-coming or books that hadn't yet published um, in previous episodes that I have requested. Requested. Of good old Saint Nick. The mm-hmm. first one is Daddy by Emma Klein. We spoke about her first book, The Girls. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's a book of short stories. Uh, it says, Emma Klein's stories consider the dark corners of human experience, exploring the fault lines of power between men and women, parents and children, 
past and present. A man travels to his son's school to deal with the fallout of a violent attack and to make sure his son will not lose his college place. But what exactly has his son done and who is to blame? A young woman trying to make it in LA working in a clothes shop while taking acting classes turns to a riskier way of making money but will be forced to confront the danger of the game she's playing. And a family coming together for Christmas struggle to skate over the lingering darkness caused by the very ordinary brutality of a troubled husband and father. These outstanding stories examine masculinity, male power and broken relationships, while revealing, with astonishing insight and clarity, those moments of misunderstanding that can have life-changing consequences. And there is unexpected violence, ever-present but unseen, in the depiction of the complicated interactions between men and women and families. Subtle and sophisticated and displaying an extraordinary understanding of human behaviour, these stories are unforgettable. Some would say... Hard-hitting? <laughs> yes I do love a book that makes me uncomfortable so yeah really excited about that I think Emma Klein like I said in our last episode she writes really beautifully yeah, and she that... has a, a strange but entrancing way of seeing the world so I think that would be really good if not slightly haunting I hope you get it because then I can borrow it what's mine is yours then the other book is Sisters by Daisy Johnson and I, we spoke about her book Everything Under yeah, which is great and was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize a couple of years ago. So I'll, again, I'll just read the synopsis because I don't know what it's about. I just know I love her writing. Uh, something unspeakable has happened to sisters July and September. Desperate for a fresh start, their mother Sheila moves them across the country to an old family house that has a troubled life of its own. Noises come from behind the walls. Lights flicker of their own accord. Sleep feels impossible. Dreams are endless. In their new, unsettling surroundings, July finds that fierce bond she's always had with September, forged with a blood promise when they were children, is beginning to change in ways she cannot understand. Taught, transfixing and profoundly moving, Sisters ex explores with the fury and joy of adolescence. Explodes with the joy. Explores, it's exploding. Yeah, it's exploring. It's sisters explodes <laughs> with the... Crikey. With the fury and joy of adolescence. It is a story of sibling love and sibling envy that fans of Shirley Jackson and Stephen King will devour. There we go. Also sounds very good. Coming, hopefully, to future episodes. I mean, the definition of a girl can dream. I would... Yeah, so if, if, if I do get those, I'll be talking about them. But I also have a to-be-read pile the size of me to take home for Christmas to read. I've got quite a few books there, but I'm really excited. Stuff like My Dark Vanessa, um, which got a lot of talk for how deeply uncomfortable it made people. Uh, Tender is the Flesh, which I believe is about cannibalism. Carolina Donahue's Scenes of a Graphic Nature. We've got, we've got holiday reading. But this is our, this is our season finale. Gosh, you'll miss us, won't you? <laughs> won't you miss us? And I, I don't like that it's our season finale. I do like that we'll be coming back, but it's a bit sad saying goodbye to season one. What else have you been disliking this week, Elle? Other than the fact that season one is over. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm having a bit of a, a meltdown here. I keep knocking the phone over, basically. Just actually, it is weird, though, that when did we start this? In summer? In June? Yeah, July? June. June 28th, I believe it was. Wow, look at that. You girls good at dates. It is weird now that it's the end of the year it's the end of an era a bad <laughs> era a very bad era i, think we can I don't all... think you can call it an era it was a it's half a year it was a year <laughs> jesus <laughs> on to other things i dislike <laughs> <laughs> me <laughs> and the fact that she's agreed to live with me for another year <laughs> pray for me don't worry it's a rolling contract <laughs> i dislike that for someone who's really good at gift buying I, ugh, Christmas shopping this year, man. Because I can't just, like, casually, like, saunter down the high street, pop into little shops, like, just live a normal life where I'm, like, hit yeah. by inspiration constantly. Yeah. It's, it's dark out there. I'm doing my best, but it's tricky. It's but tricky. Because also, I buy people... I'll get like them something to unwrap, but then I'll get them like an experience or something. And my family, we do gigs. But although, okay, A, it's not a good idea to be buying like gig tickets for the future until we're in a, with my family, until we're in a bit of a better situation where we know what's happening. Mm. Also, we've got so many postponed gigs from this year that didn't happen that it just seems superfluous. So... Yeah, your girl is struggling somewhat, but it will be fine. I'll come through. I'll come through in the end because I'll have to. But right now, little bit stressed. 
I will stress again, it is a rolling contract that we're living together next year. And if my gift isn't good enough, <laughs> I will be You leaving. gave me strict instructions not to get carried away. I did. I got a little bit drunk and I yelled at her. <laughs> Just a little bit drunk. Imagine getting yelled at because people think that the present you get them will be too nice. Yeah. I had a word with her. Um, my dislike uh, similarly relates to shopping and also Brexit. Uh, but Brexit <laughs> is a dislike of... of uh, eternity um yeah i can't find mango anywhere stressing me out man like you can come for my democracy you can come for my european union but you will not come for my overpriced exotic fruit habit well it's, it's definitely going to be more overpriced so yeah i'm having to eat melon i, I don't want to eat oh, is melon that what you were eating earlier i did wonder what it was i don't want melon what kind of melon is it honeydew yeah. I didn't not like it. What are the but other... it's not mango. Can- cantaloupe? cantaloupe? I don't want to let my mango. <sighs> and on that note... <laughs> You're going to have to let this pod go. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first season. Um, we will be back in the new year. We'll, we'll announce a release date shortly when we're back to... Um, back to the Clapham pad and we've had a little <laughs> had a little bit of a plan about how we're going to approach it if there's anything you guys <clears throat> want to see in season two give us a bell head over to the instagram drop us a message we're always there eagerly waiting literally constantly refreshing the page just waiting for you to send us a message please do it we're so lovely well, i don't actually have access to the instagram so yeah it's just me <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes she tells me things that you say so that's nice i do i do so we'll be back it's actually been super nice all the um love and attention we've we were, received from people we were people. the 84th most popular culture podcast in the uk this year I, oh my gosh yeah on spotify <laughs> on spotify but still, but still yeah, yeah that's actually quite a big deal we i can't believe we didn't mention that earlier yeah that is so thank sick. you for tuning in maybe you know next season we'd love to get some authors slash some other book people on the podcast we'll, we'll see what we can do we've got we've got big plans we've got big ideas so catch up on anything that you've missed and stay tuned yeah and, and merry christmas merry christmas merry christmas you filthy animals <laughs> if you've enjoyed listening to prose before hose please remember to rate review and subscribe otherwise we'll have no idea